0: If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of John, chapter 19. I have been enjoying this week the blessings of God that were poured out on this place Sunday night. And I I have not been able to get away from the Word of God that He spoke to me while we were worshiping. That all of the liberty and all the freedom, the joy that we're enjoying right now is because of what all I went through this week. And so I've kind of been in that vein, and I want to go there tonight for just a few moments. John chapter 19, and I'm going to begin reading with verse number 16. And it reads like this. They delivered him therefore unto them to be crucified, and they took Jesus and led him away. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him on either side, one and Jesus in the midst. Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. The writing was "Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews." This title, that read many, this title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh unto the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said they. The, the chief priest of the Jews to Pilate, write not the king of the Jews, but he said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered and said, what I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments, made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam. Woven from the top throughout, and they said therefore among themselves, Let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, They parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things therefore the soldiers did. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then said he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel of vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. And when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It. Is finished. Not I am finished, but it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Everybody say those three words with me. It is finished. Say it one more time. It is finished. Everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I have been reflective this week of the whole setting that brings us to Easter Sunday. What a celebration Easter always brings, and it should do that. For we rejoice in what all that Easter means. But you have to live through some stuff to get to Easter. Amen. You have got to endure some things to get to that resurrection. Scholars have pulled together what we call the last seven sayings of Jesus as he hung on the cross, and they are very powerful collection of statements that jesus made it is interesting to note that three of them were spoken before the noonday darkness father forgive them were the first words that came from his lips from there he turned his attention to the thief that was beside him and he said to him today thou shalt be with me in paradise And somewhere as the time passed on, he saw standing there at the foot of his cross, his own mother, and so speaking to John the beloved, he says to him, behold your mother and behold your son. And from that hour, John took her into his home and cared for her. What Words of tenderness that came out of him at that moment. And then the Bible said that darkness came on the face of the earth and at the noon hour the sun hid its face. The word that came out of the darkness as he lingered there in the agony of crucifixion were the words, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And when the darkness had passed on a little further, then he said, I thirst. And upon that statement, they gave him the vinegar. And from that statement, he makes this declaration that we've read tonight. It is finished. And then... He said, Into thy hands I commend my spirit. And the Bible said he gave up the ghost and died. Sandwiched between I thirst and Father into thy hands I commend my spirit are three of the most powerful words that have ever been spoken. Those three words in English, but only one in Greek. It is finished the words are arresting because of the depth of their meaning it is interesting to me that it takes three of our English words to define one that he spoke in the Greek what a message they speak to us tonight now I'm not going to take time to go into what he meant when he said it is finished certainly there is a a a whole sermon that could be preached when you understand that he was referring to the work that he had come to do it was completed everything had been uh, taken care of all of his teaching, all of his miracles his life was summed up in this hour for this cause came I into the world he said And now he is giving up that life for us He didn't stop short, he didn't fall away or fail in the crucial hour, but he went all the way. I'm thankful that he went all the way. Amen. But when I speak to you tonight about this message, I want to talk to you about what these three words have spoken to me this week. I want to talk to you about how these three words have impacted my thinking and my own heart and my own feelings that however dark the time was however dark the night we cannot imagine how dark it was and we cannot imagine what all he had already passed through and however deep the pit that he had to go into he kept going until he came out Until he can reach the point where he could say. It's finished. Everybody say that with me. It's finished. And in those. That's not everybody. Come on everybody. Say it's finished. Now you were louder than that a while ago. We can get that back here in a minute. But in the closing hours to me. This is what the Lord has been talking to me about. Is that he showed us how to finish he showed you and i how to overcome how to win the victory in whatever it is that we're going through he shows us how to claim the victory how to be victorious he did not merely mean when he said it is finished that it's over Although the word finish means over, certainly he did not mean that when he said it is finished that it is the end because neither one of those words or statements are really any kind of statement to be proud of. Just to say something is over doesn't mean anything. To say something is ended doesn't mean that it has ended the way it ought to end. And so when he spoke those words, there's a world of difference between what our mind can, can understand and what he was actually saying. There's a world of difference between ended and completed. Amen. I want that to sink in. There's a world of difference between ended and completed. And so when he spoke those words. He was not uttering words of endurance. When he said it is finished. It was not a statement of perseverance. It was not just merely saying. That I have survived so far. Or that I have made it to this point. He was not saying that it's just over because it could be over and it not really be over. You understand what I'm trying to say yet? Some of you are looking at me like a mule through a new gate. You're not sure where I'm going, but hang on. When he said it is finished, he was not saying that I have simply come to the end, but I have come to the beginning. I have not just come to a place where I could say that this is over, but I have reached the place that I have overcome. One speaks of endurance and the other speaks of complete and total victory. And Jesus didn't mean that he had merely gone over, but he had overcome. He didn't mean that it had just ended, but he meant it was completed. He didn't mean it was merely done, but it was well done. Now there's a lot of things in life that we do that we can just say it was done. But there's not a lot in life that we can often say it was done. Well done. It was completed to the T. There was nothing left out. There was nothing missed. No, nothing. It didn't just end, it was completed. Everybody say completed. A job that was done to its fullest, not just concluded, but fulfilled. It was an exclamation. It was a shout and a cry. Not of ruin or not of wrecked or or not of being washed up or not of something being lost or broken or ended. All of those words can be a synonym of the word finished. All of them. When you use the word finished, if you go to your Webster Dictionary, it will say things like ruined. Kaput, broken, lost, ended. That's not what he meant. Nothing was broken. Nothing was lost. Nothing was washed up. Nothing was wrecked. Nothing was ruined. Nothing was kaput. But on the other hand, everything had been accomplished. Everything. Everything. It was the triumphant sound, not of resignation, but of a resolution that this was just the beginning. It's an hour of victory and an hour of conquest. It was the sound of utter and complete triumph. Now, the question that came to me when I was reading all this again this week was how do you get to such an hour like that that whatever it is that you're going through whether it's a trial or you're suffering through heartbreak or heartache or loss that you could come what is it in life that can bring you to that point of complete and total victory of complete and total deliverance so that when you reach that point you can say as he said it is finished It is completed, and I have won. It has not won. What is it? How do you get to this point in life? Whatever your life situation is, whether it's as as dire as his was, or maybe it's just a problem in your family, but how do you get to the place Where you can look at a situation and say, it's done. It's completed. It's won. What do you have to live through? What do you have to go through? What do you have to endure? And when I look back over the preceding hours, I realize that that moment he said, it is finished Did not begin or end there, but it started way back before he ever got to the garden. Certain things that I noticed about him that set him up for this victory. And I believe that if we could reach out and take hold of them, I think they could help set us up for victory as well. Number one... I realize when I look back over the events of the last few hours that in order to reach the place that you say it is finished, I have won, I have overcome this, I have, I have accomplished the purpose for which I have had to go through all of this. Number one, you're going to have to learn how to live beyond betrayal. You're going to have to get over what people will do to you because people are fickle and people are not always trustworthy and people, even sometimes the ones that are supposed to be the closest to you, will fail you. They'll disappoint you. They'll let you down. They'll even hurt you. Sometimes they'll even lie about you. People will be disloyal to you, and they will be like a thorn in your side. But if you're going to reach the point in, in your spiritual journey where you can look back over the trials you've been going through and say, it is I overcame it, I defeated, I won the victory, you're going to have to, first of all, learn how to live beyond people walking away from you. Are people letting you down, or betraying you. You're going to have to accept the fact that man failed, and men will fail you, but you cannot let what people do to you keep you from what God's trying to accomplish through you. Amen. And there's people sitting here tonight that over the last few years, you've had to go through some rough, rough things. You've had people walk away from you, you've had people lie on you, you've had people that were st- that 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 one moment they were standing with you and the next moment they turned their back on you and when you needed them the most, you could not even find them. But if you're going to pass beyond that veil of tears and you're going to come to this point, A victory that he came to. That when he looked back over all that had happened. And the people that had walked away from him. And the ones that had denied him. He could say in spite of all of that. I still have accomplished the purpose for which I have been sent. It did not defeat me. But I have defeated it. Somebody say it with me. It is finished. And if you ever get to that point in your spiritual journey where you can look back over your troubles and say that, and I don't mean in in resignation that it got the best of you, but that you got the best of it, that instead of it wearing you down, you wore it out. Do you know what I'm sick of? I'm sick of trial and trouble wearing God's people out. I'm ready for somebody in this building to rise up and say, you know what, I'm about to turn the table on this, and I'm going to wear that out instead of it wearing me out <laughs> come on somebody you got to live beyond betrayal you got to live beyond the disappointments of what people will do to you to get to that place where you can say it's finished the word in the Greek means completed it's done completed Every. Thing that was required has been fulfilled. It did not get me. I got it. Amen. The second thing that I began to notice that in order to get to that place where he could say it is finished, he had to be able to handle the disappointments that come oftentimes in life, from those that are closest to you, he brought his his disciples, the men that he had poured three and a half years of his life in. Now, he didn't just meet with them once a week, like some of us meet for church or twice a week, but they lived with him. They slept with him for three and a half years. He poured himself into them. And now in this crucial moment, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane for prayer. For that stabilizing time when, when everything could be settled in his own spirit. And all that he asked these men to do was, can you just pray with me for a little while? And he goes a little further away and he prays and the prayer is such agony. The Bible said he sweated as great drops of blood. When he came back, what did he find? <sniffs> he found him asleep. Wake up, wake up. You, 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 you need to, can, can you not wait with me one, can you not just go with me one hour? Just one hour. Sometimes all you're wanting out of people is the least that you should expect out of them. And yet, even in moments like that, they'll still fail you. And they'll still disappoint you. You've got to be able to handle that disappointment. And this is what I love about it. He went back to pray. He came back the second time. And he found them asleep again. Just like some... (laughs) Some of you are about to nod off right now. Don't go to sleep yet. I may not be as patient as Jesus was. But he came back the third time and he finds them sleeping. So what does he do? He didn't take a club and say, you bunch of reprobates. you no good for nothing. Scoundrels. Look it. The Bible said he says this. He said, arise, let us be going. One passage indicates that he knew their weakness of flesh, that they had not had any rest for several hours. And so he took that into account, but he didn't let it tether him to that moment. He didn't let their failure make him bitter. He didn't let their disappointment make him angry He just said come on we got things to do Let's go forward sometimes in life You got to get over what people Do to you and just say you know what It's time to move on it's time to Get on down the road to the purpose of My life I can't get stuck Here I can't get lost In this moment I can't go Into all the reasons why you Should have been faithful to me I Don't have time to waste on people Like that I've got a purpose I've got a calling we've got somewhere To go and God's trying To take us there And sometimes you just have to look at life And say you know what sleep on Arise let us be going There's some things you just need to leave alone There's some dogs you don't need to wake up Amen There's some things you just need to let be And I'm just here to tell some of you If some of you would just let some stuff be And quit putting your hand on it You could get past it Hallelujah. Hebrews talks about letting something be healed. I always thought that was an interesting. I believe it's in chapter 13. He said, he uses the word, let it be healed. That's something that I have to do. It, it will be, it can be if I will just leave it alone. But the human propensity is... That we have got to keep messing with it and keep toying with it and tooling with it, thinking we can make it better. There's some people you can't make better if you spend the rest of your life and put peanut butter and jelly on them every morning. It's not going to help them be any better. You might as well understand what's going on. This is just a distraction. You can't stop here. You can't get lost here. Come on, let's get up and go on. Somebody say, let's go on. There's something further down the road. And so they forsook him. They, they didn't pray with him. They didn't pray with him at first. And then the Bible said they forsook him and fled. He could have thrown his hands up at that moment and said, I quit. I'm not going any further. That's what some people do. I quit. And, and, you know, they give up on God and their purpose and God's plan for their life. And he, he had to deal with all of that and just keep going. But that's the only way you can get to the place where you can look back over your life and all that you've been through and say, I did it. I completed it. I finished it. It didn't get the best of me. I got the best of it. I overcame it. I defeated it. I am the victor over that. Number three. In order to get to the place where you can say it is finished over things in your life, you have got to accept some things. You've got to accept some things. There are some things about this journey of life that you're not going to always like. And there are some things that you're going to have to swallow that you may not want to swallow. But the Bible says that he had to drink in the garden of a cup. And it was a bitter cup. It was not one that you would want to have to drink of. But he did it because it was all part and parcel of where he was going and what he had to do. And if you're going to come to the place in life where you can say it is finished. You're going to have to learn how to drink some cups that are bitter at times and not complain about them. He drank the cup of bitterness, but he never made him bitter. That's an interesting thing. Because in life as I know it, more often than not when people have to drink a bitter cup, it has a way of making them bitter. Oh, they... They claim there's no bitterness there, but all you have to do is just stand around and listen to them talk a little bit. and you, you see that stuff oozing out of them. They're over it, but they keep talking about it. You know what? If you're really over it, you don't have to keep talking about it. Jesus didn't, when he got to that point and said, I'm over it, it's over. He didn't have to go back and rehearse all the failures and all the disappointments and all the letdowns. He just said, it's over. And he moved on. And so it is with you and I that we have to understand that in life, if you're going to reach that point where you can say over whatever it is, whatever heartbreak, whatever disappointment, whatever failure, whatever, whatever that you can say, it's finished. I, I have overcome this. I have won the victory over this. Then you're going to have to learn that there's some things you're going to have to swallow. And it doesn't taste good. But you just have to understand that that's part of the journey. And in order for me to become what God wants me to be and for me to reach the place God wants me to reach, I'm not going to reach it without having to deal with a bitter cup. Amen. Number four. If you're going to reach the place Where you can say it is finished. This is one of the most important things that I can tell you. You're going to have to learn how to die. You're going to have to learn how to die to self, to you. You're going to have to find a place in prayer where you can say not my will but thy will be done. The only way he could stand in that triumphant moment and lift his voice in that agony of his hour and say it is finished was that a while before that he laid before the very throne of heaven and he prayed let this cup pass from me but if it's not going to pass let your will be done not my will but thy will be done I am understanding enough to know tonight that the the root of all human problems is in the human will. <laughs> the human will. And we all have one. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have one. Quit denying it. You have a will. There's a humanity about all of us. And there's a will that, that wants justification. And we want things to be rectified. And we want things to be even and fair and equitable and life is not always like that more often than not life is not like that and so if I'm going to reach the place where it doesn't tear me down but I tear it up and that's what he did at Calvary he tore hell up he went into that place and he disconfitted the enemy and he took the keys ultimately from death and hell But in order to do that, he had to first of all find a place where he could get rid of self and not worry about self because when you're in self-preservation mode, if you're in this self-preservation mode, you're never going to be able to reach the place where you can say, it's finished, it's over, it's done, it's through, I'm complete. I'm not going to have to go back and redo this test. You're going to have to find a place to die. Everybody say it, to die. Amen. If you're going to reach this place, you're going to have to learn how to keep your mouth shut at times. That really struck home to me because when we're going through things, it's when we want our voice to be heard. But when he stood before Pilate and all of those uh, the, 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 the crowd that was around, some of them were smiting him. They, I read today where they smote him on the top of the head with a reed. How many of you would stand by for somebody to smite you on the head with a reed? And then Pilate looks at him and says, Are you not going to answer? And he said, Not a word. If you're going to ever reach that place where you can stand on the mountain and say, it's finished. It didn't defeat me. I defeated it. You're going to have to go through times when you're going to have to bite your tongue and just be quiet and let God justify you and let God represent you. And in that moment, When he could have lashed out, he could have said many things. He could have called 10,000 angels and, and vaporized Pilate in his arrogance. He opened, not his mouth. That's a hard thing for us to do because we're going to give people a piece of our mind. If they do us wrong, we're going to let them know about it. But if you really want to get victory over that problem, that besetting sin or that failure or whatever it is, you're going to have to learn when to keep your mouth shut. Let the Lord fight your battle. Amen. Praise God. He opened not his mouth. You've got to know the difference between what is important and what is unimportant. And you've got to know that not every hill is worth dying on. You can get your ounce of flesh, but that's about all you're going to ever get because you'll never reach the place where you can say it's finished. I beat it. I bested it. It didn't best me. And in order for that to happen, you're going to have to learn there's time. You just have to be quiet. Number four, number five, six, whatever it is, There's in order to reach that place where Jesus could say it is finished, he not only had to Keep his mouth shut, he also had to be deaf to some things. He had to turn his hearing off when they came by and said, If thou be the Christ, come down from this cross, and we will believe you right here on the spot. We will become your disciples. Isn't that what he came into the world to do was make them disciples? Isn't that what he came into the world to do to convince them that he was who he said he was? And all he had to do was just stop all this madness and come down off the cross. What a powerful testimony. But that wasn't going to pay the price of redemption. And so... He just had to turn a deaf ear to everybody that came by and railed on him. Sometimes in life you just have to be blind in one eye and deaf in another. If you're going to deaf in one ear and blind in one eye, I guess I should say. (laughs) I'll get it right. Sometimes in life you just have to have a mute button. You just have to have the ability to let all of that noise and all of the clamor and you know what I've learned about when you're going through trouble? Everybody can tell you how to get out of it. Everybody's got an opinion about what you ought to do. Well, if it's me, it's what i do. Well, the bottom line is it ain't you. It's me. And whatever might work for you don't work for me. It won't work for me. And so there's times in life when I have to just turn that filter off. And go on as if I did not hear them. And they came by and they mocked him. But it didn't bother him. They said if you'll come down we'll believe you. But it didn't move him. Sometimes in life if you're going to reach the place where you can look back over your life. Over the problems that you've been through and say I I won. I, I overcame. You're going to have to go through some times where you're just going to have to be deaf to what everybody might be saying about you. Everybody that's questioning the validity of who you are and what you're there for. You said you believed in God. Call on God. He should come and answer you. That's what they said. You said you trust God. Why is God not answering you now? He just turned that filter off. You know, when we were married early on in our marriage, uh, I should say, I'll get that right too. We lived out by uh, Intercontinental Airport. When we first moved in there, I didn't realize it, but our house was right over one of the flight patterns for those big jumbo jets. And I remember the first time we were we got set in. And, and we every time we'd been there before, we, we'd never really had that experience. But we, we moved in. We bought the property or we rented the property. We, we moved in. And I remember one of those big old jumbo 747s coming right over the top of our house. And literally the windows would shake. And you look up and it felt like you could just reach up and pat it on its belly. That's how close it felt. And I thought to myself, my, have we made a mistake. I mean, how how are we going to sleep at night? And I'll have to admit, the first night or two, we didn't sleep. But you know, it's amazing that over a period of a few days, those big old jumbo jets flying down over it didn't bother us in the least because we got used to them something and I I read one time where at the base of the brain there is a filter that every human being has that has the ability to tune out and shut off some sounds that come into your ears that's how a husband can sit and read the paper and his wife talk and he not hear a word she says that's something along that line but The point is that God made us with the ability to filter some things out. Now, I'm not telling you to filter your husband or your wife out. I'm not telling you... To not pay attention. But I am telling you that if you're going to reach the place in your spiritual journey. Where you can look back over whatever you've gone through. Whatever trial or problem or adversity. And you can say it's finished. I overcame it. I, was, I, I rose above it. I, it did not defeat me. But I have defeated it. You're going to have to utilize that filter that God has put in your life. And just shut out some things. The cry of those. Who don't know any better. And that's the reality. They don't know any better. They called him to quit. They called on him to come down. But he didn't hear a word. I'm closing. You have to. If you're going to reach that place. You're going to have to live through some pain. Undeserved pain. Undeserved pain. Things that. There's no way in all of life. That you should have to go through them. But. Neither did he, but he did it anyway. And you, you're going to have to learn how to refuse some things. And I'm, I want you to stand with me. I'm, I am closing. If you're going to reach that point in your spiritual journey where you can look back over the events of the last few months or the last few years and say, Ah, oh, I finished. I finished. then you're going to have to learn to refuse some things. Amen. Say, refuse it. Refuse it. Refuse it. At one point in his agony on the cross, they offered him wine mixed with myrrh. To you and I, that sounds of no consequence, but in fact, it was a known painkiller of the day. It was that day's hydrocodone or morphine. So that when you're in an agony, in a pain, you could drink that particular mixture and it helped relieve the pain and numb the pain and short circuit what your body is going through. Interesting thing is that he took the gall, he took the vinegar, but he refused the wine. Because he would not allow himself to be numbed to what he was going through. It's amazing that in the day in which we live that one of the greatest abuses in our nation right now are prescription pain meds. When people who struggle with that addiction, when you ask them why, they said, I just do it to numb the pain. I asked a person one time that had a problem with drink and I said, why, why do you do that? They said, well, it just kind of knocks the edge off of life just kind of numbs life. Jesus had an opportunity to do that as well. To numb himself to certain things. But he refused. He refused. And the only way that you're ever going to get to that place in life where you can say, It is finished. You're going to have to refuse the drink that sometimes is offered to you in life that will numb the pain, that will cause you to forget about your sorrows. I'm not talking about just literal drink. I'm talking about many different mixtures that the world offers us that will numb that. Last but not least, if you're going to reach that place, You're going to have to cling to God even when it seems there is no God. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That came in the deepest, darkest agony of Calvary. But he didn't stay there. He didn't die there. He didn't lodge there. He moved past that. He held on to the very end You have to hold a remnant of faith even when fear is crying out there is no use. You have to refuse to believe that God has forgotten you and that He has no idea where you are. Even when your feelings are telling you otherwise you have to hold on and you have to keep going. That's the only way you'll get to the point where you can say it is Finished. Completed. Amen. Some of you, as I said earlier, have lived through some things over the last little while that you don't deserve. You need to know what it takes to have that same kind of triumph, that same kind of sound come from your life. It's the sound of finishing. It's the sound of victory. It's the sound of completion. It's the sound of overcoming. It's the sound of winning. Winning the struggle. Winning the battle. The cry of one who has come out of the dark into the light. Oh, I wish that somebody would hear me tonight. And understand that if you'll just keep going, you'll come out of this darkness that you're in right now. You'll come out of that trial that you're going through. If you'll just hang on and keep holding on to him and keep walking with him, that there'll be a moment in time when victory will come. It will break on you like the dawn of a new day. The victor is the man. Who refuses to believe that God has forgotten him. And he just goes on. He just perseveres. The victor is the one who clings to God even when there seems to be no God. Amen. The victor is the one who refuses to believe that he's been forgotten. Amen. I don't know the way he's taken. I don't know where he is. I've searched for him on the right and the left. In front of me and behind me. And I can't find him. But he knows the way that I take. And he's not forgotten. The victor is the man who has been beaten to the death. But does not die. Amen. He's beaten to the death. But something in him will not let go. Amen. Beaten down he rises back up. whipped he stands back up amen you can't defeat a man that will not stay down amen you can't defeat a man that will not stay down they even tried to put him in a tomb and seal it with a stone but they can't keep a good man down amen amen and neither can Any kind of trouble or problem in life keep you down. Somehow you can understand what Jesus somehow tries to teach us through all that he went through. Amen. Say it with me. It is finished. I want you to be able to say that over the troubles that you're going through right now. I want you to be able to say that over the pain that you're suffering right now. I want you to be able to look back over the darkness that you've lived through over the last few months or years and be able to say, it is finished. Come on, lift your hands to the Lord right now and give Him praise. Would you do that? Thank you, Lord, for your Word. Thank you for the power of the Word tonight. Thank you for that Word that never dies. It ever lives, but never dies. And it's alive tonight and it is calling us. It is calling us to a place. It is calling us, oh God, to a relationship with you that nothing can destroy. Hallelujah. Amen. the songwriter was right when he said, through it all, through it all, through it all. Say it with me, through it all. I've learned to trust my Jesus. I've learned to trust my God. Through it all, I've learned to depend upon His Word. It is finished. I wish you could just, in your mind, look back over where you've just come from and everything that's back there. And some of it that's still going on in your life right now. And just say those words, it is finished. Amen. Praise God. Lord, you know us better than we know ourselves. You know our downsetting and our uprising, and you know our thoughts afar off. And you know your beloved people tonight that stand in this congregation who are battle scarred and worn. Darkness has been more prevalent in their life than light, and pain has been their constant companion. Heartbreak and disappointment, failure and tears have been their meat day and night. But, O Lord, tonight, the one who And the one who comes alongside, the one who bears us up so that we do not dash our foot against the rock. Would you come near to that soul tonight that is vexed and troubled and lift them up, Lord, into your very presence. and Let them feel the resurrection power surge through their life. Amen. In the name of Jesus, I pray somehow for that weary soul who's gone through a long, dark night that they will hold on because the morning is coming. The morning is coming. A new day is going to dawn. Resurrection is on its way. Hallelujah. Bless them, Lord, and pick them up right now and carry them in Jesus' name. Say it with me, in Jesus' name.